Good morning, good afternoon, or good evening, and welcome to the Net Worth Podcast, where today, finally, I know we've talked NBA for a little bit, but we're getting back to our root spread. There's a freaking tennis tournament this weekend. How pumped are you? I mean, it's a great field, too, so I'm so excited to get back into it. Uh, the times are going to be a nice time in the morning, not having to get up at 2 in the morning to watch European tennis. So that's, it's, I mean, it's just great all around and really strong field for an international, so I'm really excited. And even more fun than tennis, folks, it's the return of our Canadian correspondent. Yes. He's coming back off his COVID break. I assume there was some COVID up there, Jorge, it's, or is it too cold? <laughs> it's a little bit. There's a little bit. We had a, we had a nice little shutdown for a few months. I saw you're excited to be back in your pub, so congratulations. Things are coming back to normal. Spread yes. are losing horrifying NBA bets. We're winning tennis bets. Jorge's at the pub. Oh, man. I mean, the last week in a city of $3 million, uh, the week before, uh, this week, before we opened up Friday, uh, stage three, which is your pubs and gyms and stuff, we had like 20 or 30 total cases. In a city of 3 million people, that's, uh, that's not too bad. So Toronto did a great job, and uh, we're finally allowed to go back out and be humans again we're, we're being treated like adults because we we acted like them for uh for a little bit well that's wonderful news but like we said we have tennis so let's jump back into it we're in palermo the defending champion simona Halep is not going to make it um she didn't get a chance to get through the entire quarantine process so we have a pretty open field as we start to look at it we'll start with the top half as we usually do in these events we've got petra martich allison van utvank um, Daria Kasatkin is in there for spread. Elise Mertens, Contivate, Siegmund. Um, and that makes up... Oh, no, i got to keep going. Herzog, Roos, and then Vekic rounding out the, the first half here. Again, we're playing on clay, but what do you think, spread? When you start to look at those names, you know, who, who's been playing well in the last couple weeks? Who caught your eye? All right, so I have to admit, I'm out of practice in this, and I was not hitting the exhibition tour uh, like you guys were. So I'm really just going off my knowledge of these players' strengths and weaknesses. I really don't have any idea of their recent form. Uh, but I'd also like to, to point out that probably I'm not sure how much these exhibitions were necessarily indicators uh, of form. I think they would be more uh, indicators of fitness um, because certain players will be working on different things during the exhibitions, not necessarily always try to, to win all out. I know when I played, um, a coach would have me work on certain things um in matches that you know weren't tournaments and didn't count so i think we can use the exhibitions for the fitness but i was not up on it of course you know i'm always a big petra martish fan i see her here as the number one seed and um you know not a bad side for her as i think that she got some players that might not uh excel on clay as much like uh, are you guys excited about vekic on clay uh, that's the that's the one on the opposite. I mean, I think no. Beckett is a great player, but it's obviously a worse surface. Uh, we've had fun with um, with Contavite being a clay player only, so obviously it's, she could pose some problems here. Uh, Elise Mertens, what do you guys think about her on clay? Because I, she's one that I'm going back and forth on. I really like Elise's game, uh, but I'm struggling to remember how well she's done on clay in the last couple of years. Well, I, I think clay is is probably one of her better her better surface. Uh, the lower level events in 2018, uh, I believe she absolutely dominated. I'm going to try and pull them up here. But I remember being over, uh, I was actually on vacation at the time, and I think she won Rabat, and she had another international win that season as well. And as I look it up, it was Lugano. It was uh, mid-April and then the first week of May. Uh, she struggled. She she ran into Halep in the second round in Madrid, but then made a fourth-round run at the U.S. Open. Not really beating anyone sensational on clay and losing to Halep again, but she's she's certainly among uh, probably the second tier of clay players on the WTA tour. Uh, I think she's landed in the in the wrong half of the draw to take an outright on her, especially because her price is uh, in the single digits, uh, well right. under ten to one. So you know, with Contivate Mardich uh, both in this half of the draw, and then Siegmund as well, a potential tough time in the second round if she can. Uh, get back into her old clay form, then I, I think that um, that it could be a tough field for Meritans. But I certainly think that she'll be competitive in that in that first quarter because that first quarter for me really is the two favorites there. And then you know Flipkins, Kasatkina, two qualifiers are lucky losers, and Jasmine Paulini, who's good, but she's she's more of an ITF clay court uh, dominant player and probably like that quadruple A, not really a threat on the main tour. So I, I, I yeah, I think her and Martin should play up for a semifinal spot. 
Yeah, and that'll be interesting. It'll definitely be interesting yeah, when we get to hear your guys' breakdown cool. of Dasha and Paolini there. So I'll be looking forward to that here in a couple minutes. <laughs> we'll get to that when we get to the first round. I love what you said, though, about that first quarter, Jorge. It's really limited. Um, you know, So if you start to look at Martage and Mertens, you know, even if you are of the opinion that they're probably some of the better players in this field, which they likely are. The fact that they have to play each other, you know, even before you get to the semifinals, makes it really prohibitive to bet against them. And at the same time, you know, you could probably just X off every name in that first quarter. What else did you think of the top half, Jorge? I think, I mean, it's it's certainly the tougher half. Uh, I don't think there's any debating that, really, when you look at the seeds. Um, and even like your dark horse players in the bottom half, I think Zidancic is going to be someone to watch in the top half. I think uh, Siegman is going to play that role. I still think Contivate is, is, is pretty strong uh, there second round. And I, I really think Contivate is the player to bet here because she's the fourth seed in the tournament. Um, she's in the, the softer quarter in the top half, yet her price is longer than Mertens and Mardich, who are probably one of them has to beat the other one to get through to the semis. Contivate really just has to get through Siegmund for me. Uh, I don't see Vekic as a big threat here, uh, and we'll get on. We'll get to that in the first round previews as well. And I think that Contivate has a fairly easy path to the semifinals. So I thought she would be the player that would be around that, you know, um, that Merton's mark of eight to one, because Merton's for me is eight to one at Bet three six five, and six point eight to one at Pinnacle. That's where I thought we'd see uh, Marty or sorry, Contivate and Merton's kind of uh, flip. Contivate is 12 to 1 at both books, and I'm going to have a half unit on that number just because I think she should be the one in that 7 to 8 to 9 to 1 area, and Merton should be up above uh, in double digits. And so that that kind of reversal there kind of shows that at least Merton's, for me, is a little too favored considering the draw, and Contivate is undervalued and, and presents value as a result. Totally agree with that. Like you said, you've got the two in the first quarter there, Mertens and Martich that kind of cancel each other out a little bit. And it's odd to see, you're right, it's to look at Contivate and see her be 12 to 1 instead of single digits, kind of like everybody else, especially when you start to look at the draw. Like you said, Siegmund might cause some problems, but I'm not really worried there at all. Um, and I know you guys are just loving me here, hearing me talk nice things about Annette Contivate. We were talking before <laughs> the start here. One of the absolute best parts about tennis is that when you get to the change of services and um, I'm talking nicely about Contivate here. There's another player a little bit later when we get to the first round matches that I basically just rip to shreds anytime she's on hards or, or any other surface. But I'm glad <laughs> would be really nice. So um, I know Spread's enjoying that, even though he's trying to be quiet. Um, but yeah, the draw is really nice for her. Teague in the first round should be no problem. You start to look at that bottom group. It's Vekic, Ruse, Herzog, and um, how do you say her last name, Jorge? Who's this, Cacciardo? There you go. See, you should know by now what name I Cochareto. Right, it's right in rhythm. None of them really scare me, so I think Contivated 12 to 1 is looking pretty good. Um, what do you think, Spread? Are you going to jump on board with us? Hey, I'm back. Sorry about that. No, that's okay. What do you think about Contivate there, Spreadster? Uh. Contivite, I love her on clay. <clears throat> I think she has a tough draw here, though, with Siegmund because I think that Siegmund is kind of going to be the underrated player in this whole top half. I really like Siegmund on play, and, I mean, to play that in the second round, I think it's tough. I even think that Siegmund might be able to uh, come ahead there. I put Siegmund ahead of Contivite in her draw just because I can rely on her consistency a little more. Obviously, if Contivite plays her best, she wins, but... How often does she do that? Like 30% of the time. So I, uh, I like Siegmund here. Yeah, see, the, that's, the, that's, that's one of my favorite parts about tennis too. Not just the scoring system. You can win more games and lose the match uh, in, in certain, in certain <laughs> instances. But this as well, I think Contivate's quarterfinal opponent and her first-round opponent are going to be the, the not easier matches. I hate using that term, but they are going, the toughest match will come, in my opinion, in that second round. And it's odd how that works that I think Seedman is, uh, Seedman, she has to be on top of her game though. Uh, and that's the tough part. Like she absolutely has to be playing, you know, 2017, 2018 Laura Siegman clay tennis to win. Uh, and that's a huge caveat because we haven't seen it in a while. Uh, I think she gets through the first round and, and, and could push Contivate. Um, another name I'd look at, and I just, I wanted triple digits, but you're never going to get triple digits in, in anything outside of a slime when these fields are so small. It's just, it's not worth it for the books and it makes no sense. Um, but if, you know, 85 to one Arantxa Roos, and this kind of betrays one of my underdog plays for the first round previews, uh, 
man, she can she really cleaned up. But it was all at twenty five k and lower events at the uh, at the ITF level on uh, on the surface. But I think she can she can take Vekic out, and that second round is very winnable. Um, then the problem is she's going to be a huge dog to cultivate, and that's kind of where you're going to run into a sticky situation. But if she didn't, if she was in the other half, um, she wouldn't be eighty five to one. First of all, so there's there's that. Uh, but if she was in the other half. She'd be a really intriguing dark horse uh, candidate, but having to beat Contivate and then a Martic or uh, Mertens and then potentially like a Vondrasova or a Suckery um, is just too much for me. Uh, and I don't think it's possible. I don't even think it's worth at 85 to one. It's not even worth a small shot, but um, we'll get to that in the, in the first round previews. I, I really think she's going to be one to watch here as well in the top half. Yeah, that's a good name to pick out. So it sounds like we like Contivate, uh, maybe sprinkle Siegmund a little bit now. Um, Jorge, what number would you want on Siegmund from an outright perspective? I'm seeing 28 to 1 at Bet365. Let me see if Pinnacle's wildly different. Six, yeah, 64 to 1. Guys. Okay, I see 64 to 1 at Pinnacle. I, I mean, so what do you think about that? Are you going to sprinkle that number at all? I don't think so. Um, uh, we'll get to this in first rounds as well. I'm going to play the uh, first round plays. I haven't seen anything from Siegmund in the last uh, year and a half, two years, that would suggest she can win uh, five straight on uh, to win a tournament let alone do it against multiple top 25 players so i'm gonna go ahead and just play her match to match i think there is uh, certainly a plus ev spot or at least there was at the number uh, she opened at yesterday um this being recorded on the sunday of course so uh, when she they released number on saturday i think there was value but she she had a decent clay exo season in june and july playing the dtb german pro series the problem was she didn't play anyone really good uh, her best win was probably either Anna Zaha or Julie Niemeyer. Uh, those aren't good wins. She lost to Tamara Korpach, who was probably the best player she played in three sets uh, on the on the dirt. So um, I, I'm going to go ahead and bet her first match, but I, I cannot get behind her for a whole tournament, uh, even at 64 to one, uh, and it's not close. Like I, I I'd rather bet Roos at 80 85 to one than her at 64 to one uh, in this spot. And there, I believe, in the same. Uh, quarter as well both those players yeah they're both in that second quarter so if i would if i were to take another person in that second quarter yeah. to kind of balance out or hedge my contivate position it would be Roos uh before it would be segment yeah i think like you said playing that match to match should be pretty good i mean especially if you're looking at that bet 365 number of 28 to 1 don't touch that uh, but even the pinnacle number at 64 to 1 i wonder again like you said if you play it match by match and kind of do a rolling money line parlay you know, she's going to be a dog to cultivate she might be a dog to vekic if, if vekic makes it that far to be honest and then when she gets to martage and merton she's a dog and probably a dog to whoever comes out of the bottom so i think the the rolling money line is going to be better not only so that you can take time to see how she's playing but i, I bet you'll get better odds that'll be something i'll try to track through the week and see how that goes so hey, in my draw, I put Hercoc going past Vekic. Do you guys think that's crazy? Uh, if Vekic wins her first match, not at all. No, definitely yeah. not. But I, I, I wouldn't be surprised. And well, you know, we're we're kind of uh, foreshadowing here for the uh, the late, the latter stages of the pod. But uh, I don't think either Vekic or Hercoc are guaranteed to even make the second round, let alone play each other. So and you one like of them Coach here uh, as I, the chance I, for the upset. I don't love her. Uh, her opening number was probably about right in that 2.4 to 2.5 range. Uh -huh. um, I think she's drifted out more since then. Uh, I'm, I'm on the uh, outrights page here, so just give me two seconds to pull up the uh, Yeah, the no, matches. I would imagine that Hercog would take money. If, if I remember, I had a good good little run backing her in the smaller tournaments. I'm seeing her uh, plus 154 yeah. Uh, yeah, I've got plus uh, 2.63, so uh, plus 163, she's drifted out to a pinnacle. Uh, yeah. Herzog is one of those players where I think at the opening line, I knew she would take money, and that's why I didn't bet Cochoretto. I think the value was just a little too thin, and 2.5 I knew was going to grow. I'm not sold on Cochoretto winning this. Like She's a, a deserved dog here. Polona does like the clay, but she hasn't really uh, done a ton for me. I remember, I know what tournament you're talking about. Is either Lausanne. Lausanne or Lugano in Switzerland, and I... I faded her all damn week, and I think she won the freaking tournament. Uh, I'll never forget that. Those stick with you. The ones like who, they there was, do. Yeah, there was a semifinal run this year. Teague, remember yeah. Teague and Wawin this year? Faded oh, her yeah. every single day, and she just went to the semis or went to the final. 
uh, and lost to Lynette. So, you know, those stick with you. And I think Herzog has proven me wrong. And so I'm trying to keep myself from uh, betting it. But I will be on Cochirato if it gets yeah, to, to plus Like seven. you said, if this was, you know, we we're in the normal clay swing. We'd seen a couple tournaments. Everyone was kind of in relative form. I think Herzog probably would have a good chance to come out of this second quarter. Definitely this little four pack right here for sure. Um, but like Jorge said, we haven't seen her play. We don't really know what anybody's form's like. So, you know, it's going to should be a lot of... Uh, a lot of variants, if you will. All right, gentlemen, any other thoughts on the top mm -hmm. half before we jump into the bottom half? Yeah, I would think that some some upsets and some underdogs here. Yeah. Now let's jump in the bottom half. All right. We've got Alexandrova, Mladenovic, Farrow, Arani, Kirstea, Pliska with a lesser, Zachary, Estremska, Sarah, my favorite, one of my favorite clay players, Sorabas Tormo, Zidancic. And uh, <laughs> people start the counters right now. I think I have over under two minutes before Jorge takes as a dancing under um, outright. I'm sorry. We've got Georgie. We've got Peterson. And we've got Bondrasova. <laughs> and we'll start with you, Jorge. We're looking at this bottom half. Who do you see? What do you like? I mean, copy, paste, rinse, and repeat. Uh, she hasn't played since February, I don't think. And I think that's why... Bet365 has her 50 to 1. Pinnacle has her like 25 to 1. Um, I wasn't going to play her at 25 if considering she hasn't played a competitive uh, or even like major exo match in, in months. But yeah, I'm playing Zidane to get 50 to 1. I don't care. Uh, it's really small. It's a quarter unit. Um, and I'm more than willing to, to take that shot in a, in a wide open bottom half. I've also got a quarter unit on Pharaoh. This is the reverse, though. She's 20 to 1 at 365, but she's over 40 to 1 at Pinnacle. So the books have major major like if you do your due diligence and you price shop like you should be doing there are some nice opportunities to take up to twenty dollars um on on individual players on outright so i'm gonna take pharaoh i think it's 42 to 1 at, at pinnacle uh and zanantic 50 to 1 at bet 365 both quarter units uh, i really wanted vondrasova uh but i was i was chatting with uh, someone yesterday about how we we knew that Vondrasova would just be just have no value, and she is the co-favorite at three six five uh, over at Pinnacle. She is the second favorite uh, behind Mardich. So the books kind of price that properly. The the bottom half is wide open. Uh, it's very very winnable, and she's easily the best clay player in this half. Um, if it, if she was a more consistent player, I would I would advise Kiki Mladenovic might see some nice price because she's out to underdog money now. She's drifted out in her first match, which means her outright is should either either it will correlate to a, a nice price as well, or um, you can just bet her on a, a rolling money line parlay and stop when you when you want to. The problem is, um, good friend of the stream, Steve Ace Tennis Previews, was saying there was an injury concern at an exhibition fairly recently, so that's why I stayed off that. I just played. I'll play her individually in, in the first round. Total sense. As well. What do you see in your spread? Okay, just from a, a fan standpoint, I think that uh, Alexandrova Mladenovic is the best first-round match just to tune in and watch, and I think that's a tough draw for both of the women. Uh, Jorge made a great point when we were talking uh, before we went on the air, so I want to give it to all the listeners. Mladenovic, when you look at her game, you think that it wouldn't be well-suited for Clay with the, the big serve and the big forehand, but since she grew up in France, they used to growing up on Clay, she's better than you would expect when you just – than if you just translated her game to the clay. I think this is a tough one overall. I think uh, Georgie and Peterson also got tough draws here. I think that's a tough first-round match as well. It's hard for me to stay off Vondrasova. Um, she seems like if she is in form, um, that this could be her side to lose. Um, but she's got a lot of big-name players over here, so we should see some big matches. And, of course, like Jorge mentioned, the books have done that as well. And it's 7-1. to one. I don't know how interested I am in jumping in but that but she seems like she's got all the talent to go ahead and do this so i'm i'm thinking about doing a vondrasova future but i want to listen to what you guys have to say because like i said i'm just getting back into the swing of things and you guys spend a lot more time watching yeah, the price of vondrasova makes it really really tough again you know like jorge said i'm seeing at uh, bet 365 vondrasova six to one pinnacle pretty close at plus 590 so that's 5.9 to one it's just really tough to get excited about anybody who's not at least double digits, given how much unknown we have about everyone's form and just the, the general, you know, kind of quality yeah. of the field. Um, you know, as I start to look at it, I like what Jorge said about Pharaoh. I'm seeing 42 to 1 again. 
that looks like value to me. It's tough to... I really hate that she probably has Ladenovich there in her second match. I wish that that was a little bit of an easier spot, but um, I think I'll probably jump on board with you on Farah there. As you start to look at it, Zachary has a really nice draw. I mean, she could just kind of blow through this, but her number, again, I'm seeing 8-1 to one and and 6-1, six to, six to or sorry, I'm 5.9-1 to one again. So can't take either one of those, but... It just sucks. I really wanted to bet Farrah when I saw uh, the entry list of this, but she's right in between Mladenovic and Zachary. I wish that 42 was a little closer to 50, but I might sprinkle it anyway. Again, with no one idea. Yeah, it's only 16 on five dimes. So I Yeah, mean. The, the the price shopping is mandatory. Like, yeah. uh, the, like even if you're in the States, price shop between bookmaker, five dimes, bet online, whatever else is down there. Because, uh, I mean, if – if books international books are doing this, then I'm sure there's going to be mistakes within uh, within yeah, the offshores that Americans could use as well. So on Sakari, correct me if I'm wrong, but if I remember right, isn't she a player who you think her game would translate well to clay, but she doesn't she usually, always have the results? She that usually back has that really tough yeah. better hardcore. Uh, I spent some time going back through and looking at it. Her numbers are okay, but she just ends up playing like top competition every single time she ends up on a clay court. But sorry, go ahead, Hori. I cut you okay. Off. No, no, I, I just wanted to, to reiterate that exact point. Um, that Remember last year, I, I took that line of thinking that her results weren't there. And she made a few runs last year on clay because I think her game does translate well to it. I think she's, uh, a lot of the times, like you can see her on the court with, with the coaching, a lot of times it's mental for her. Like she has mental breakdowns and then just can't recover. Mm -hmm. And I think that, that can really kill you on clay where people can extend rallies. And if you're going to be mentally fragile, it's going to really catch up to you. But she went from 5 and 10 in 2017 to 7 and 4 in 2018 to 15 and 5 in 2019. Now that's just records, not in context. But I mean, that 2019 run included semifinals in Rome, in Rome which is a big event. Uh, she beat Contivate, she beat uh, Kvitova. Even like it's clay, but even still, it's a good win. She beat Kiki. Um, you know, losing 6 4, 6 4 to Pliskova is no. Uh, no big deal. She absolutely plastered Contivate in that event. And she won a, an event in Rabat where she beat uh, Danilovic, a good up-and-coming clay player who just gets really streaky. Uh, she beat Elise Mertens there in straight sets. And then she beat Joe Conta, who, of course, was the other clay revelation last year. Oh, yeah. That drove me <laughs> absolutely off the wall. Yeah, because that was up there. Suckery, I am not going to make the same mistake again this year and fade but god damn it i will i will die on the hill that joanna conta is not a good clay player we will be fading her <laughs> ass every chance we get again this year i don't care first round french open give me like zadancic i am going five units all in max bet ravi style Best. bankroll <laughs> bet on zadancic like i i don't care <laughs> all right, he's going all in. I love it. No, but but that I, I do think that Suckery is a player who who just needed to finally you know kick to that next gear to succeed on clay. So I wouldn't I wouldn't bet against her here, and I think the books have overvalued her for sure. But I mean, I'm also not going to be targeting uh, her with a, another outright. You know what I mean? Like I'm not saying oh that's overpriced. So I'm going to go uh, target her section and try and bet like. Kirstea or Irani. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, I think Yastrzemska is the player to do that with here in the bottom half. I think uh, she's way overvalued to the point that, you know, there is a correlation. Books need to, to make some money so they can't have everyone at nice odds. So when you get an overvalued player, uh, it means generally around them in the draw there's going to be some value. And I think Zidancic, despite not having played, uh, is that player in the bottom half. And I think Pharaoh is someone that if, if Mladenovic is potentially hurt or she gets really streaky match to match, uh, those are the two players that I want to back, both uh, over 40 to 1 uh, on the odds. So a nice quarter unit, it will still yield a nice profit. And uh, and, and the risk is just yeah, I'm not uh, ready to back well. Zidancic again, just because we haven't seen her play. My general theme of, of these, this first tournament or even the first couple tournaments is I'm going to probably avoid and stay away from matches where both players haven't played since February or March and just try to avoid players that haven't played since February and March in general but as you start to look at the draw it's a really nice spot for her we'll talk about the Estremska first round match I, I don't think it's a guarantee that she moves on there so this dancer could be looking at you know, in her quarter, the best player being Vondrasova, and she doesn't have to play her till the quarterfinals. And that's a match that should be very competitive. So I like the, the look there. Um, you know, again, the best number I'm seeing on Zidancic, right? 365 has 50. Um, 
pinnacle down to 25 to one spread. You said you found an even smaller number somewhere else. So, um, you know, shop, shop, shop around, guys. I mean, even yeah. some of these individual matches as they were opening up last night, um, there were big differences. I, I generally use Bet Online and Bookmaker. Um, being in the U.S. and having to use offshores, but you know some differences there. I'm curious to see what Bovada opens up. They always have interesting futures prices, but I think Zidancic and Farrow are kind of the two to circle down here. Um, what do you think, Spread? Any other thoughts on this on the second half? I don't think you got a chance to give us your your full breakdown. Uh, no, I mean I think like I said, Vondrasova was the name that jumped out to me. They priced it away from us, and being a young player, wouldn't be surprised if. Um, this wasn't the best performance for her. Um, yeah, I mean, this one, I think I have a lot. Of, there's a lot of big names in this bottom half that aren't necessarily all um, clay players, which is why Vondrasova kind of jumped out to me. You know, I look at Yastremska, who I don't think her game is suited as much for uh, clay. Um, Ladenovich, like Jorge said, she is comfortable on here, but still, I mean, I'd rather uh, begin her on a hard court or grass. Um, Sakari, I'd rather begin on a hard court. Georgia, I'd definitely be rather getting on a quick hard court. Uh, Peterson um, plays pretty well on clay, but, uh, you know, she does have, I don't know if she's as talented as the other ladies I just mentioned. So uh, I'm not going to be on an outright here. Um, I like the little long shot that we took with Zidanzik, um overall. And then other than that, I just want to watch this tournament and get back into the swing of things and, and see who's playing and what their strategies are. Now, do we have any players that are, that we think are just using this as a warm-up and, and are just going to try and get a couple matches in and get out of here? Or do you no. think everyone's going all out? No, I think, I think everyone's going all out just because the French is so far away. Mm -hmm. uh, it's over a month away. Um, you're not worried about burning yourself out uh, just yet. Uh, when and is Rome? You want as many matches. It's the week before the French, the same week as Strasbourg. Uh, okay. So those are the warm-up events. I'd, Strasbourg especially. Rome is uh, is one that, that they're going to want to win anyway, and they'll they'll go into the U.S. Open or the French Open, you know, just fine uh, yeah. off winning Rome. They, I don't think many women will mind, but um, the Strasbourg would be the one to look at here. I don't think I don't think there's any angle to really justify like why enter if you're not going to try and win this. You haven't played in a, a real WTA tournament in months. Uh, and I think to to also expand on what Noop said with, um, you know, kind of approaching cautiously to matches where two women haven't played in five months, those are also the matches you you want to watch the most, mm -hmm. uh, right? Because because we have so little information, those those matches you have to be careful not to overvalue uh, one match sample size. But it is also going to be valuable to to gain some sort of perspective on how they're playing and and how they're looking coming off their long break. So even if you don't bet it, those are probably the matches to tune in and watch. Uh, to, to try and gain some information for the coming weeks. Uh, and I think that's really important because I, I agree. I think uh, we do have to I, – I can't bet multi-units just yet, but I, I, I do think that we're going to see a lot of overreaction um, to exhibition success or the lack of play uh, on the other end of the spectrum. And I think that while it does have to be priced into the line, the books are going to price it into the line, and then the public may overreact a bit and, and – present some value on someone who has not played in a while. So there's a few things that, that we're going to have to watch over the coming weeks. Uh, and I think putting as much tape study in as possible right now is so incredibly important, more incredible, more important than it's ever been. We've never had this long of a break in tennis, or right. at least not that I can remember uh, multi five months off without tennis. Yeah. Our off season is only four or five weeks. Um, right. So tape study right now yeah, is, is as crucial as it's ever going to be. Question. I think that everyone is kind of going to give a full effort here. There's two things that I kind of notice about the field. Number one, there's no North Americans here. So I have a feeling that everyone that is playing this week is planning on staying in Europe and playing clay events. So I think that they're going to take this fairly seriously. And I also don't see any names that you know have any realistic expectations of doing well at, at the French Open. I know that Von Dersova was a semifinalist last time we saw her there, but... Even then, you start to look at this list. I don't think there's anyone that's going to be close to being the favorite and roll at Garros. So I think we see a full effort this weekend. Circling back to Jorge, what you said, you know, being somebody personally that handle um, handicaps mostly using data and modeling, I am going to have to spend a lot of time watching. And it's going to be a big advantage because I know that a lot of these books approach opening lines pretty similar to the way that I do. I think that a lot of these numbers, when you look at them, the openers are, are pretty close to, as to how you know somebody with a reasonable data set and a reasonable ability to model would price them. 
But when you start to look at some of these, they're going to continue to use that data, I think, for a couple weeks. Whereas if you get a chance to sit down and really watch some of these players and um, mm. really soak in a match or two, you're going to have a big edge, I think, for about a week or so until the books catch up as the data starts to come in. Yeah, I mean, they go hand in hand, right? I mean, that that you use one to context, contextualize the information. And that's always been probably the one thing that, I, that I've always tried to do is get as much information as possible and then put it into context before uh, before uh, using it too much. And by the way, good sir, our 150 to 1 was not a semifinalist. Oh, right, a she I'm was sorry, a finalist. I I forget, number two. I'll have you know. We had we put a 150 to 1 into the final, good sir. We are even better than the semifinals. All right, John, thoughts on the outrights here before I wrap up a little bit. I'll give a quick recap of our thoughts, and then we can jump into the first round. All right. Yeah, I want to jump into the first round because there's a lot of right, these so, I can't wait to hear um, your opinion. Jorge and I like Contivate at 12 to 1 or better. We like Pharaoh at 42 to 1 or better, and we like Zidancic. Um, try to find a 50, but I bet at 40 or better, you're, you're in pretty good shape there. Again, pretty small stakes. I think Jorge's got a quarter unit on Zidantic and Pharaoh and a half unit on Contivate. I'll, I'm going to think about it a little longer. I might go a full unit and a half unit on each. I tend to be a little more aggressive on outrights than he is, though. All right, let's jump into the first round. I've got odds portal up, and we'll just try to go down in the order that they have them. We'll start with Alexandrova Mladenovic. This is a bet, I think. And Jorge, did you give this one out? I know that I already did. I'm on Kiki Mladenovic here. Um, I'm going to double check what my number is. It looks like right now she's pretty close to even, minus 101 or 1.99. And then Alexandrova's minus 128, or I guess that'd be like 1.79, maybe 1.78. Um, what did you think of this matchup, Jorge? Uh, yeah, I'm on um, Ludanovich. I gave it out. Um, I, I think, think I I've got the worst of the number right now. So, uh, listeners, if you're quick enough, you should be able to get a better number. I gave it out at um, 1.93, which is in the minus 105, minus 110 in between their range. I'm seeing it now plus 108. This morning it was plus 116, so it has come back a little bit. Uh, but if you have Pinnacle, she's plus money. This is a match where they're two very similar players, both big strikers of the ball, uh, both very inconsistent. But the fact is, um, Mladenovic has more career success on clay, and she's far more comfortable on clay. Therefore, she deserves to be a slight favorite, not an underdog. Uh, that is an edge of, of, of several cents, even after you fit factor in uh, the money the, the books are going to hold, and Pinnacle's uh, hold is, is so low. That's what makes it it's such a better-friendly book. Um, I, I do believe uh, there's value on... I saw value at... at uh, a buck 93. Like, even each way, there was a slight value. I had a half unit on it. Um, it wasn't a big one. Uh, I thought she should have been somewhere in the 1.8 range. So 10 to 13 cents is generally about the border for a half unit bet because you do want to beat that VIG as well. Um, and at, at 2.08, I think you have to play the, a full unit there. Uh, I think you have to, to, to play it. Um, it, it's just, it's just th those numbers should be reversed. It should be about 1.81 for Miladinovic yeah, and 2.8 for uh, Alex Or uh, 1.99 a few times I beat you on an opener. So I feel pretty good about that. Um, I agree. I think at the current pricing, I think it's at least a unit play for me. Again, I gave out a unit at minus 101. So, you know, at, at plus 108 or, you know, greater than two, I think it's it's still, it's even better. So what do you think, Spread? Anything to add in terms of the matchup? Well, I'm just thinking that Alexandrova's taking Alexandrova's taking money because of the epic hardcore run um, that she had to close last year and to start off this year. And uh, one thing we noticed with her was her conditioning got better, and she was not fatiguing like we expected. I remember we tried to do a fatigue fade on this this young woman, and she came out just blasting. So I can understand why betters are um, excited to back her. Um, but Hori makes a great point. This is a different surface that she will be less comfortable with. So um, you got one player who's had the better form five months ago, right? Um, but I think I actually have higher hopes for Alexandrova for the 2021 season um, than I would for Mladenovic just off what I saw before the shutdown. Uh, but that surface can be an equalizer. So I definitely understand the way you guys are going with this play. All right, next up, we've got Irani versus Kirstea. I'm seeing Irani right now plus 142 or 2.42. And Kirstea minus 189. That puts her right around, I think, like 1.55. Um, what do you think here, Jorge? Oh, man. Uh, I will use the same words I used when I posted this this morning. 
when it was at 241, I was talking to you guys yesterday. I said, oh, that's a number that is borderline bettable. And I, I went against my instincts and the numbers and said, nope, mo most other women here that are identical to Arani, I would bet at this number, but I want extra value. If I'm going to freaking make myself bet on Sarah Arani, I want at least nine or 10 cents more value to do it. Like it's just, I don't care whether it's right or wrong mathematically. It, that's just how I feel with Sarah Arani and, and betting on her and forcing myself to sit through it. Uh, it got to 2.57 this morning at Pinnacle. And so, I mean, I, I, you can't ignore that number at some point. Money is money. <laughs> money talks, baby. I am on Arani at that number. I, she's down to 253. Anything above, above 250, uh, it's a hold your nose. Uh, this is not for the faint of heart kind of play, yeah, so but it's a play nonetheless. I think you're right. Once you start to get above that, it's it's worth at least a half unit, just a little tickle. Now, Spread, do you happen to know if Arani's serving overhanded or underhanded these days? <laughs> I'm not sure, so that'll be definitely part of our tape setting. And I, I figured Jorge would be taking Arani after I see that um, she was 4-1 against Cristea between 2011 and 2014. So always got to get that relevant head-to-head -head data in there. But oh, no, I was actually oh. surprised to see you go against uh, one of your uh, more favorite players here. So um, <coughs> is there a reason that we're not high on Cristea on Clay? Yeah, her game just doesn't translate well. Sorry, Noops asked that question as I was taking a sip of water and... <clears throat> Not too surprisingly, I coughed violently right in the middle of it. <laughs> but um, no, she's just not a great clay player, man. Um, she had a good year in 2016. Uh, it's Her game is, is that, that same style, like an Alexandrova type. Um, very, very heavy hitting, very inconsistent. And someone like Arani, who can run down balls, play side to side, uh, and for once, we'll have the crowd on her side, uh, as opposed to usually not being a, a very big crowd favorite at all. I think that, that here, this is closer to even. Um, I think some people are forgetting that Rani came back this year in the earlier parts and, and looked a lot better uh, than she did when she came back, I think, towards the tail end of last year. Uh, and, you know, if she can go five and six on hard courts, uh, I have no problem backing her on... Uh, clay courts against someone like Kirstea, who's just not in her comfort zone, quite frankly, uh, on the dirt. Especially when I only need it to win 40% of the time to be to show profit. Like, I don't need this to win 60% of the time. Uh, this right. is just a numbers play. Uh, and like I said, it's, it's not going to be a pretty match. I mean, you're not going to be sitting yeah, there like, lie. oh man, this match is so quality. It's going to be Irani flicking serves over. And creating just the most atrocious errors from Kirstea. It's going to be a really boring player and a really, you know, erratic player um, squaring off. And it's going to be ugly tennis on the eyes. But like I said, money talks. And at this point, I, I can't resist that number. And also, we have to point out that uh, due to the COVID and stuff, they have not been testing for Tortellini. So Arani could have a little bonus <laughs> in that way. Next up, this is, uh, I think, the first match we've had so far where neither woman has played since February or March. I know Mladenovic has been playing. I think Arani's been doing some stuff. And I think we've seen Kirstea. But Georgie and Peterson, neither have played since late February or early March. The match is lined pretty evenly. I'm seeing minus 110 Georgie, minus 115 Peterson. So they must be using a book with a little more juice here. Again, about 1.9, 1.9, we'll call it. Probably minus 110 each way, depending on where you look. Um this could be an under, it could be an over. It kind of feels like a three set under kind of thing. Like I could just, uh, when set lines come out, this will be a great spot for a first set under. So if that's a thing that you're into, if you see an under nine and a half without too much juice, that's, that's probably gonna be a good look. Um, Jorge, do you have any angles here? Uh, I think I'll, I'll enjoy watching this one, but oh boy, yeah, no. Uh... Not just the fact they haven't played. I mean, even if they had played and I had data, this would be a tough match for me to pick a side on. Uh, I could make a case as to why Peterson should be a slight favorite. I could make a case as to why Georgie should be a slight favorite. So I think the books have this one right. Uh, I think I bet six or seven out of the 11 posted first-round matches up. So I'm glad that this one was lined properly so I could finally <laughs> lay off <laughs> a match. <laughs> Yeah, and the only thing I'd add is, you know, Georgie might have an advantage here because I don't even know if she practices while the season's going on. So she might be better at just uh, hitting the court <laughs> and just playing for a couple hours and then going and doing whatever she does. But other than that, no real uh, actual uh, good data to add. I think this is definitely a match to watch. Now we've got Kalona Herzog playing whom, Jorge? 
There we go. Elisabetta Cocciaretto. What do you think here? Uh, Herzog is a pretty big favorite. <laughs> we talked about her a little bit in the outright preview on how we're concerned here. Um, did we assuage your concerns? Do you feel more concerned? Any chance you're going to you know, lay the juice with the favorite here? I'm looking to see what her spread is. I think she's like minus three and a half or something. But um, any thoughts on here before we let Jorge jump in and talk about the underdog? Yeah, and that's the thing. I don't know Coach Aretto well enough to actually make this play, but I do know that I did enjoy um, betting Hercog on clay against weaker players. I felt that she was fairly consistent beating players that she was supposed to beat, so this seems to be that situation. Unfortunately, I don't feel comfortable enough because I really haven't seen enough of Coach Aretto to make um, you know, an informed play here, so I'll definitely be watching and and seeing if what I think about Hercog, and that's beating players that she's supposed to beat on clay, uh, holds true. And then just trying to get some notes on Coach Aretto if we see her uh, as this tour continues. Because we will be seeing some lower-level uh, players in these tournaments, as like uh, Jorge alluded to earlier. Uh, we kind of have the split between almost like the American tour and the European tour right now. So gives a chance for some of these lower-level players, uh, maybe some of these ITF superstars to shine here on the WTA level. That credit goes to Noops. I'll, uh, he, he's the one that uh, that saw that. I didn't even I didn't even I thought there were a few North Americans, but I guess they all are back here for the U.S. Open. Um, yeah, I think uh, Cochareto C Pinnacle two point sixty three. We 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 alluded to this a bit earlier. I think I'm gonna pass for now. This is another match that I don't have anything on, and I'm glad to pass on. Uh, I'm fighting myself on on whether I'm overvaluing her U.S. Open hardcourt uh, qualification. Um, I don't. I can't remember if she'd ever won a hard court match prior to that last year, and she's another one I faded the hell out of. And she turned around and no, it was the Aussie this year. Sorry, not last year's U.S. Open. This year's Aussie. Uh, she beat DiLorenzo, Scoofs, and Martin Sov on a hard court before we finally got to watch her get absolutely obliterated by uh, Angelique Kerber in the first round. Um, but she is a clay player, right? She's the Italian typical clay player. She won over forty matches last year. I think all. Uh, at the ITF level, though, and, and a lot of them, the 25K level. Uh, she got the Rome pre-qualification to get into Rome. Um, there's decent wins in there. Like, there's wins against high-level ITF players, but there's nothing. Re- there's no real good data against a player of Herzog's quality who's not a world-beater, but who's also uh, probably a lot better than anyone she beat last year on clay. So it's it, it's really tough to, to, to take the information we have and understand just how relevant it is to this match. And I think that's what's making this so tough, and that's why I'm, I'm willing to hold out and set my uh, the price in which I'll enter the market and stake a position. I'm willing to set that price a lot higher uh, because of the uncertainty. So, you know, I'm not going to rush to bet 2.63. Even if I think it might be value, I'm, not, I'm just not sold on my information being solid enough that I'll wait till I get a, a price that's overwhelming enough and, and knocks a few more percentage points off the amount of times that she needs to win to, to turn a profit for me. All right, let's jump into yeah, the next it. two matches. I think we can actually do these in tandem because I believe that Jorge and I have these two parlayed. I know that I do. We've got Contivate as a pretty big favorite, minus 357 against Teague, plus 252. Martich, minus 286 against Van Nutvank, plus 214. I am too lazy to do the conversion on those... Big favorite odds, but Marta Cantivate prohibitive favorites. Uh, I'll start with you here, Spread. Do you have any reason to think that Cantivate and Marta um, don't just kind of beat up on these two players? Just because Cantivate, you never know what you're going to get with her, and that she does have the potential to just turn in a complete stinker of her performance. Uh, I love the Martich matchup. Uh, you get AVU, whose game really just isn't suited to Clay, and I think that Martich even plays at 60 to 75% of her uh, top level on Clay. This is a great matchup for her. Uh, Contavite, I do like your side, and, and your guys are probably on the right side, but boy, uh, it's one of the most inconsistent players on the tour. She's tough to back because even from set to set, we've seen her look... Um, incredible and then incredibly bad so that would be my only worry but i'll probably join you with that because you know i'm a, a big contavite fan so uh it, you know it's not hard to get me yeah, to i to gave talk out the parlay last night and then also the spreads we had uh, minus three and minus four those are starting to drift out a little bit jorge i think you gave out the spreads as well did you do the parlay or just the spreads yeah oh those are way gone uh, I didn't give They're up the gone. parlay. Uh, I bet it. Uh, the The spreads are both gone. Oh, wow. uh, I said enough. in a chat earlier yesterday, anything under five uh, before they before they re- were released 
Uh, I said anything under five at minus 110 is a play for Contivate. Period. Anything under five. Um, this looks a lot like a, a 6-4, 6-3 um, first set and then like a 6-2, 6-1 second set. Uh, like a, maybe a single break, maybe T keeps it close, and then Contivate rolls the second set. I feel like it, it's about it's a 6-7 to seven game, depending on service order uh, margin here. Uh, I think that... Four and a half is multiple games uh, value. I got that at plus 109. I bet that small, and I bet the minus four. I, I tend to do this a lot because I do think that um, even though it's a key number, four to four and a half, it, it could be service order. It could be, you know, it's only one additional break, and for 18 cents to be the difference between $1.91 and $2.09, it just it, it doesn't seem right to me for that half game, even off a key number. It should never be more than 11 or 12. So uh, on principle, I bet the minus four for a full unit. I bet the minus four and a half for a half unit. That line is long gone. Um, the same the same concept applied to Mardich. I said anything under uh, four and a half was a bet. Um, so we got three and a half at the start. Uh, by the time I woke up this morning, it's now out to four and a half. At minus 105, so that those have corrected. Uh, the course correction's already there from the market, so it's going to be too late for uh, for listeners to grab that. Uh, but I did so have those like last night. As if you plays. were looking for an angle, um, you know, Marty right now minus four and a half. I, I, I'm seeing a total of 20. If the match goes the way that we really think it is, just take the under 20. You have a chance to at least push on 6464 instead of lose. Um, and then same thought with Contivate Teague. I'm seeing under 19 and a half. Now the under 19 and a half is at minus 102. So maybe you can even get them under 20 there at like minus 10, minus 115, something like that. Um, I think that's a little oh. better option than looking at the spreads because again, Contivate right is minus five right now. So if you can get under 20, 6464 is a push as opposed to a loss. 6463 is even a win as opposed to a push so that is a pretty advantageous spot so maybe look at the unders there instead of the spreads if you're looking for some action there yeah that that's that's a really good look because sometimes those markets people beat the crap out of the spread but won't even pay attention to the totals and one line one market will will stay relatively stable and the other one will will tank so yeah that's a, that's a good way to kind of uh next to up, get involved if you want to dasha cassett kina one of the uh, spread kitties, if you will, people, against Jasmine Paolini. Uh, Kasakino, pretty decent <laughs> favorite, minus 185. So that puts her just short of 1.5, maybe 1.55, maybe even close to 1.6. Paolini plus 144 or 2.4. Spread, are you going to be betting Kasakino here? No, <laughs> I'm staying away. Uh, I remember Paolini was someone who came on uh, my radar. Right before the shutdown, she, her uh, performances had started to increase dramatically, and she was starting to make names and, and prove that she was WTA level. And then, of course, with Kasakina, uh, the inconsistency. Um, you know, she had such mental toughness uh, in 2018. and 2019, it kind of disappeared. 2020, uh, the inconsistency was still there. So I don't really – I think this is like a dog or pass, and I don't want to bet against Dasha. Um, but what do you guys think? Does does Paolini have the game to take her out here, even if she's playing maybe seventy five percent of her best tennis? Well, sh I mean, if I mean you guys and the head to head, so let's let's go ahead and let's look at this, you know, amazing stat that I love so much. Uh, yeah. Prague Prague WTA on clay. Paolini took her out as a plus four fifty two dog in twenenty eighteen. Uh, that was an odd year for da for Dasha uh, on clay at the big events. She really did well. She went to the quarters of the French. Um, you know, she went to the quarters of Madrid. The third round in Rome, she won two matches, got to the quarters in Charleston, which is a premiere. But at the internationals, like, uh, I don't know, Stuttgart might be a, uh, a premiere. Either way, Prague, she lost her first match, first round. Stuttgart, first match, first round. Moscow, uh, she lost her second match after beating Kalinskaya. She lost to Zidansic. So the smaller event, she's never really been that great at. I don't know if it's a motivation thing with her, but um, last year she wasn't great on clay either. Uh, and Paolini is a player who's, you don't think she's going to be revved up, ready to go in a main draw uh, on home soil on her favorite surface. This was opened at 3.03. And to me, that was just insanity and, you know, had to be jumped on. Again, the market is corrected here. So, um, you know, I don't know if listeners are going to be able to get on this uh, with any kind of value because to me, a 2.5 is about where it should be. I I mean, you could make a case it should be even lower. Uh, I just, I think that Dosh is super overvalued, especially where, where it opened. But um, 
yeah, there was definitely value here at the beginning, and I think that I think the Paulini I think you're right. I think it, this is a dog or pass spot. I'm not quite ready to bet on the dog. I think that if Kasatina has been kind of practicing and staying in shape, she could take this match fairly easily. But lean towards the dog. Um, next up, we've got Zachary minus two hundred eight over Pliskova, the lesser. Um, I'm a little surprised that Zachary isn't a bigger favorite, but I think that's a situation where I know. Um, Christina Pliskova has been playing the last couple months. I don't think Zachary has done much, if anything. Um, Spread, have you seen Zachary playing at all? I have not. So what do you think? Do you have any angles here then going in, or are you just staying away? <laughs> I'm completely staying away. Um, uh, Pliskova, we've kind of talked about this before. Players who you don't necessarily think would be good on pl- clay. Uh, but for whatever reason, they do okay. And her sister is much more an example of this. Uh, but the same deal. She's comfortable here, even though the big serve and, and the big ground strokes would lead you to believe that, that this isn't the service for her. She does fairly well. Um, Sakari has the game to just be consistent enough to beat her. Uh, she's quick enough to get uh, balls back, keep them in play, and, and really uh, coax some errors out of Pliskova. But I really don't know what to expect from her. She's another one that um, is kind of mercurial, so to speak. Although I was kind of impressed by the way that she was kind of turning things around um, last season before the shutdown. So um, I think uh, Sakari, I have high hopes for her for this uh, end of the year, end of 2020, if she can keep that form. Uh, but I'm not ready to get involved last in this night match. With Zachary. It's a little juicier, but the number is still around. What do you think, Jorge? Uh, this is one where I lean uh, to Maria, but I do think that I could easily see this going three sets. Uh, I could also easily see her wiping through. She hasn't played since Doha. Um, I expect her to win, but she's dipped just below 1.5 on the money line. I think that's probably about right. So, uh, you know, like I said, if, if there's one that I'm going to question a little bit now, I'm, I'm going to go ahead and pass because I've got so many other plays already on the books. But uh, I, I would expect her to win this. But, uh, and w- one thing to remember too, big hitters don't necessarily hate clay. I think it's a lot of medium hitters who hate clay, right? Because the big, the big guns can still hit through the, the slower surface. That's why That's Madison Keys has good uh, results at the French. That's why Chris, uh, Carolina Pliskova does uh, just fine on clay because they can still hit, their power still hits through and it's still potent. Um, but I don't think Chris Plish is, is nearly uh, going to be enough to, to beat that. If you can get an angle on... Um, how Suckery plays against lefties um, on clay using tennis abstract. Perhaps if she's if she dominates, uh, if there's a, a any kind of sample size, if she dominates them, then maybe that that does mean that she shouldn't be around the 1.5. She should be around the 1.35 and create some value on the spread. And if she struggles, then who knows? There may be some value the other way. Um, but at, at first, my first instinct is that this line looks about right. And so unless you're going to find a, another angle, I, I think um, I'm going to pass it. Uh, Jorge, this is one you talked about when we were going through the outrights. We have Roos, uh, an underdog to Vegage on Odds Portal. I'm seeing plus 159. There's a plus 164 on Bookmaker. Um, are either of those numbers good enough for you to take the dog? I uh, see it's back up to plus 172 at Pinnacle, and this is why I say keep an eye on the number because uh, I betted it uh, plus 217, and it just got you know, beaten all the way down to about plus 151. But since then, it has recovered 21 cents. The fact is, the market is going to love their favorites. And when I hammer uh, underdogs and we get to the openers, they're going to move very easily when there's multiple of us jumping on them. And the market is going to then see value on the favorite and bet it right back, even if they shouldn't. Um, so you, you, you're you seeing a buyback already. If that gets into the plus, 180, plus 180 to 185 area, then yes, I would bet Roos again. Uh, I wouldn't go near the plus 159. Um, I think she probably should be about plus 160, uh, plus 155. But I got it, yeah, plus 217, that was a no-brainer for me. Um, She is a good clay court player. The problem is most of that, or almost all of that success is at 25K uh, ITF events. Not even 25K and below. Almost all of it was exactly at that level last year. Uh, So, but that's enough to translate to a a 40 to 50, uh, sorry, around the, the 40 win percentage i would think here and i, I don't think vekic is um like first of all it's hot in palermo this week right and we know how donna doesn't like the heat so there's another angle there as well uh, to consider 
um, when I when I put my handicap together. But I, I just I'm not sold on her being a clay a, a clay court player who should be that big of a favorite. Like considering the surface, uh, I do think she should be favored. I, I don't think she's terrible per se on clay, but I don't think that she warrants being as big of a favorite as she was. And I and I think as well the fact that it's going to be 30 degrees Celsius plus uh, almost every day this week is. If, if Roos takes this uh, to three sets, then I think she's got a real good chance. And plus, if you get if you get a third set when you're on a plus 217, that's all you can really ask for. Um, you're already happy with your wager um, with the CLV as well. And I think that if she does get to a third set, that he, if it's if it's hot when they're playing, uh, this is why they generally start later in the afternoon there too. So they can, most matches are in the evening where it gets a little bit cooler. Uh, but if, if this is a daytime match in the heat, then I think that that alone adds a bit of value to, to Roos's line as well, because Donna does not like the heat. She what never think, has. Anything to add from a matchup perspective? Um, you know, I know you know Vekic's game pretty well, but is there anything that you know about Roos's game that you think might be effective? No, she's just another player, kind of like Hercog, where I expect her to beat um, the lower level players on clay. I think that she's, um, you know, consistent in her in her ability to beat players that she should beat. Unfortunately, Donna is not a player that she should beat. Uh, Jorge made some good points, though, why you don't want to back the favorite here. Obviously, a dog or pass, but I don't really feel strong enough about Roos here um, to go ahead and make the play. Right, next, so I'm staying uh, off this one. We've got Laura Siegmund against uh, Begu here. Um, Siegmund minus 147, so getting pretty close to like 1.68. Begu plus 114 or 2.14. Jorge, you're pretty confident about Siegmund here, aren't you? Yeah, I mean, 185 is where I got her. I think she's come back to about minus 140, or at least she was this morning on Pinnacle. And even that number is borderline playable um at 171 uh plus the the spread correlation i think is like two or two and a half games which is also very very playable um for segment if if people want to tail listeners want to get get some action on that match i just i i i have to believe that the the greater sample size outweighs last year's uh you know hiccups for laura segment on clay um maybe it's just the indoor tournament in stuttgart maybe she just beats indoor clay uh but i really do think that uh, this is a match she should win fairly ha- like fairly handily uh i i begu is sneaky good on clay that's why I, it wasn't like a, a larger wager for me like at 185 i think a lot of people probably would look at that and think uh, to go bigger than they would but i have i think i have a tad more respect for begu than um than much of the market does that being said it was still she was still overvalued by the books uh, to start so it was it was a, a mandatory bet on siegmund i've got a few dgem parlays out there i'll throw out too i don't know if they pay nearly as well um but at bet three six five with the little parlay bonus, I threw together Siegmund, Contivate, and Mardich. Then I threw together all their two nothing set betting uh, scores, like bo- all three to win in straight sets. Uh, those are both uh, bets that you can you can get the ten percent bonus on uh, from uh, from bet three six five. Obviously, the number is not going to be as great anymore because Contivate and Mardich's numbers have, have kind of flatlined. But yeah, I do think Sigma okay, should get through this. Right. Anything um, you know about either one of their games to give give you some pause on back in Siegmund? No, it's so funny. I was thinking about this. Every single player, I have like a wait and see approach. Except for for, for whatever reason, I'm high on Siegmund, and I think it's because um, this, this extra time I feel would be good for her coming off that injury. Uh, we saw some good results from her. Uh, before the shutdown, and I just feel like it gave her extra time to heal and and basically find some form. So because of the fact that it did give her some extra time to heal, I think I'm higher on Siegmund because I think that she could perform better than the market expected. Um, so I like Siegmund in this match. I'm going to go ahead and bet it as well. Um, but I th- it was just kind of funny when I was you know, handicapping myself as a handicapper. For some reason, I'm, I have a wait-and-see approach, but I feel really strong and bullish on Siegmund. So we'll see if that plays out and turns out to be true. But it's because of uh, the extra time to heal from the injury. I think she should be in, uh, in, in stronger form than maybe what we saw before the shutdown. And w- that form really yeah, wasn't I agree. that bad. I like Siegmund here. I'm, I'm going to wait a little bit. She just struggled so much in the last year and it's just going to be tough for me. I, I'll, I'll sit and watch this one and, and try to get a feel. But if she comes out and blows Begu out here, I think I'm going to be on her for the rest of the week. F- Finally, the last first round match, we have Diana terribly social media posting Yastremska against Sarah. My, <laughs> not a trash can this week. Sorb is Tormo. 
Um, just a really tough thing for me mentally to look at because almost every single week I'm Anya Stremski in some sort of way and I'm bad-mouthing Tormo, betting against her. And I actually am already on Tormo here. I grabbed her last night when this opened at plus 153. Looks like we're all the way down to plus 114. Yastrzemska only minus 145. Spread, what are you thinking? I don't want to back Yastrzemska here. Uh, like you said, she's had inconsistent results. <laughs> um and Tormo is consistently mediocre. So if uh, Yastrzemska doesn't play well, Tormo has a game to take advantage of her mistakes. If Obviously, if Yastrzemska plays her best, she blows her off the court. But I really don't want to gamble on which Yastrzemska is going to show up. Mm-hmm. Obviously, she should win. She should be favored. Uh, anything you know above a 70-80% performance out of Yastrzemska, she gets the W. Um, but not, not enough to put my money on. So... I, I I like that's what you said because I was gonna go the exact same route. This has the possibility to be a six two six two Yastremska win. I don't think she's a clay wizard. I also don't think she's as bad as I think uh, many, including myself, probably have her uh, pegged as. But that being said, I think the best way to describe Diana Yastremska on clay is her twenty nineteen season. She went to four tournaments and lost her first match, and then the only other tournament she played, she won the damn thing. So, like, that sums up Diana Yastrzemska kind of in a nutshell, really on almost any surface, right? Um, She has the power to hit through the the surface and hit through Tormo, but if Tormo frustrates her, man, she could just hit air after air. You could see, uh, you know, service games from Yastrzemska if she's frustrated where she hits a double fall and another two or three unforced airs just gives the game away, uh, right? So, I do think that if if there's a 50-50 chance and you have odds saying, you know, plus 150 on one side there's obvious value there <laughs> like right you're 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 beating that implied probability by uh by 10 10 percentage points you're getting 40 percent on the iprob and you're you're if you think it's a 50 50 chance that your guy either cleans up or loses outright there's an edge there down at the plus 124 at pinnacle now it's even money at 365 plus 110 at unibet still at plus 124 at pinnacle so if you have pinnacle and you want to get involved there's still a bit of an edge there um but at the other books it's it's pretty much gone uh, but I, I do think that is a very accurate statement by spread, and I think that if you have a number above yeah, plus one twenty-five, because of that justification, you have a bit of an edge to play. Since February, Yastremska's latch match I'm looking here on Flash Score was February um, twenty-six. Mm-hmm. Tormo has been playing basically for about two, three weeks now. She's started uh, July sixteenth, so about two weeks of play already on clay, playing well. So I think that she has some form. Yastrzemska is going to be her first match back. And like you said, Jorge, Tormo has a chance to just really kind of torture Yastrzemska, who, you know, has has sort of given up in the past. I mean, it's um, it's really great. And I, I like what you said. I think still at plus 125, I would probably wait for plus 130. But even at plus 125, there's a little bit of value. And I bet if we do get some daily fantasy tomorrow, Tormo is going to be a really great player to have because I think a lot of people are going to go through and see Yastrzemska get a cheap price hit her and um i wonder if tormo is not going to be played the way that she should so if you're a daily fantasy player that would be another way to attack this and you know what to 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 elaborate on that with daily fantasy i think you also have the fact that the best players that you're going to want to have for me anyway are going to be Martich and Contivate and they're going to be some of the most expensive on the board so you're going to have to find value somewhere else and this is going to be a good spot to do so it's going to be a good way to balance out your lineup while still keeping the best players um, at the top right so you still have a chance at winning the whole thing and you get to take down probably the the players that are going to get you the bigger the biggest scores of the day Um, as I'm going back through, I don't think that we give out too much in the way of plays. I mean, look at a Contivate Martich parlay. If, again, Tormo, you can get her plus 125 or better. Um, Jorge and spread like Siegman, so maybe look for a spread there. Um, the money line looks like it's starting to drift out a little too much. Um, I had Zachary. That minus 3.5 is still around. Um, anything else that we missed from a play perspective? Jorge, I can't remember if you took Coach Aretto or not. No, not yet. Uh, hasn't gone there yet. But I would, I would advise that people watch the number if it gets out to, um, if if the number gets out to 
to plus 170 or 2.70, then play it. Um, it's just Absolutely. not there yet, so I All can't right, officially you know, say go get it now. now if uh, anyone kind of was deal. playing net worth bingo today, I just want to go back through. I think that we hit on just about everything. I made a stupid joke about Canada to start. Jorge had a rant about a tournament we weren't talking about. He bet as a Dancic outright. <laughs> Spread was confused at certain points. He <laughs> had to run away. Um, now, I'm trying to think... We mentioned the kittens. Uh, well, that's yeah. Wow, Dasha that's was on the roof. I had to get her down. Bad about that. You know, I think the only thing we missed two things. <laughs> I didn't make fun of spread for being in California. I'll pass <laughs> on that one. But I do want to let you guys know that if you reach out to us on Twitter at NetworthPod, we're accepting donations to get spread a hazmat suit because one of the things we do know about COVID is that it impacts the elderly greatly, and that we really need to protect him and make sure that as he's going out to run errands and get groceries <laughs> and why he's doing all these crazy hikes. He's protected from that so that we have him around to do these needed noobs to make fun of spread for being old for net worth bingo i hope that that cashes you for your card thank you everybody that was a lot of fun um go again we've got a couple outright picks i went through the first round matches from outright perspective again it was contivate 12 to 1 or better pharaoh 40 to 1 or better zedancic 40 to 1 or better um we're just excited this is going to be a great week we'll see how things go and what schedules look like maybe we'll get in for a midweek scope um if things get interesting but we've got tennis tomorrow, baby. Real WTA tennis. So thank you, everybody, for listening. We'd appreciate a rating, a review on whatever you're using to listen Woo-hoo! to us. Follow us at NetworthPod. That way you can get the podcast as soon as they are posted and you can be aware of any of our periscoping activities. We also try to retweet anything that um, Jorge, Spread, or I put out from a play perspective there as well. So thank you, everybody, and have a great week. All your wagers. So glad to be back and good luck in all your wagers.